It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us as we prepare for the next couple hours here on KRVN. Lots to lots to talk about as always, and we start with Susan Littlefield. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. I tell you, it's been quite the interesting uh, day with weather around here, and I'm sure on your end as well. Yeah, we're getting it uh, not quite, it, it kind of fades off pretty heavily as we uh, go to east to west here. West of us, not much. East of us, uh, it's definitely icy. Are you seeing that ice there? Oh, yeah. We've got slush on steroids at this point. Mm, I hate slush. Not, I mean, unless it's flavored. Otherwise, I don't like slush at all. So, anyway, what do you got for us today? Well, kicking it all off at 1219, Shabella's going to talk about a UNL manure management event that's coming up. And, you know, before we know it, it is going to be time to do some uh, spreading of that manure. Then at 1245, I'll talk with Undersecretary Greg Ibaugh as we look at the infrastructure. You may have seen all the stories just over the last uh, couple of days of new states getting more money for uh World Broadband. That does include the state of Nebraska. Then at 117, we continue our Women in Ag series. Chabella will be talking with a gal that was nominated by Terry Anderson. Wilson was raised on a level of beef production and her work in genetics and her company, the Flying Diamond Genetics. So that'll be an interesting interview at 117. All right. Very good. Well, good to know that it's uh, time to spread manure because it feels like exactly we do that quite a bit around here. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Susan. Thank you. We turn it over to Brandon Bennett's in for Jason. It's so cool to hear about Alex Gordon getting re-signed to Kansas City. He's such a popular guy. And uh, good to know, at least, was it a one-year? Is that One-year deal for $4 million, and he is just as popular back home in Missouri as he, here, as he is here, obviously, in Nebraska. Not quite Hall of Fame credentials, yeah. but certainly the Royals Wall or Ring of Honor. He's top ten in quite a few. Many categories yeah. in the history of, Franchise. and not the least of which, he is second all-time in Gold Glove Awards, winning his seventh last season. And to recognize our baseball fans to our west as you heard just now on fox sports larry walker making the hall of fame the one thing i don't understand is how one voter cannot vote for Derek jeter how do you tell me legitimately look me in the eye and tell me Derek jeter does not deserve to be in the hall of fame yeah because what is it a first ballot thing that they do so much that just drives you crazy yeah and there's no legitimate reason for it there's no reason that Derek jeter shouldn't be there were three people that didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. in his first year of eligibility. It's crazy. I have a real problem with that. Yep, I agree. I agree. All right, thank you. You feel a little better now that you got that I out? I do. Okay, good. More cathartic. Thank happy, you. Happy to allow you to vet. All right, let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Looks like Sox kind of mixed today so far. They are mixed. Uh, they were modestly higher earlier. Uh, health authorities around the world are taking steps to monitor and contain a deadly virus. And so... We're watching that situation and uh, wondering about our own health and well-being. France's finance minister says his country will delay its digital tax and the U.S. will hold off retaliatory sanctions. Also, U.S. home sales climbed 3.6 percent in December, but a record low inventory of houses on the market has caused prices to surge. So get out there and build some homes and by golly, we'll uh, chip away at this problem. All right, and stay away from the coronavirus, whatever you're doing. Yes. Okay, thanks very much. That's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here. And, uh, you know, another diversified sort of day here in the Cornhusker State as we uh, look to the west. You're showing a picture there of uh, of Lake McConaughey. That looked really nice. Yes, uh, <laughs> some very nice weather. Uh, that's where it's, the temperatures are in the upper 40s to low 50s from Ogallala and Imperial on into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. But, yeah, still temperatures mainly in the low and mid-30s from about North Platte and points off towards the east. And the conditions not so good in some areas. We're seeing some icing and stuff taking place. Exactly, yeah. Those temperatures hovering right around freezing. Mm-hmm. But luckily, with the sun coming out and, of course, the roads uh, getting worked with the chemicals that they do put on, and we're going to see those uh, road conditions continue to improve. And I've always been amazed. At driving at different parts of the day like I do when I come in in the morning. Right. Temperature was 33, 34, but mm-hmm. the roads were still slick this morning. Right. But I've driven home in the afternoon when it's still cloudy, and the, but the sun's out, and it's going to be 28 degrees, and the roads are wet, and the roads are fine. So that's something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that, that sunlight does have some power even behind the clouds. That's why That's why the DOT has, a, <laughs> they get the big bucks. So. <laughs> exactly. But still some of that wintry precipitation lingering in eastern Nebraska, most of it from about Lincoln on up to Fremont and Omaha, maybe some straight snowflakes from about Columbus down to the Hebron area. Also watching a little bit of precipitation starting to make its way into north central areas of Nebraska from about Gordon down over to Valentine. That's our next storm system that will be bringing us a light dusting of some snow, maybe another inch or two into eastern areas of Nebraska. As we see this one system depart with the wintry mix, chance of light snow will move in tonight into mainly tomorrow morning with another disturbance. It could start off as some rain chances, but looks like it's going to be mainly a snowmaker, and those best chances of snow are going to be across central and eastern areas of Nebraska. Snow accumulations ranging from about a dusting to an inch in central Nebraska and about an inch, another inch or two on into eastern Nebraska. And there were many locations into eastern Nebraska with this last system, seeing not only a wintry mix of moisture, but another inch or two of snow. High pressure does nudge in from the west for a dry weekend. Our temperatures will be seasonal to warmer than normal with little snow cover on the ground to hold back those temperatures. For Tuesday through Wednesday, a little more interesting weather picture here. Low pressure starts to return some chances for widespread precipitation, but still significant differences among the forecast models regarding what kind of precipitation, the the track of the storm, and also the strength of it. Looks like it's mainly going to be to our south, but it looks like enough energy and moisture will make its way into Nebraska and Kansas for at least some good chances of at least some light moisture. In the current long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are predicted Monday through the first four days of February for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the nation. The lone exception over the southwest U.S. where seasonal temperatures are expected, and of course that's where that storm system will be moving through. Above normal precipitation is indicated for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through February 4th, and that better chance of precipitation will be early next week. Key weather factors in the market include ongoing predictions for heavy rain delaying the soybean harvest in Brazil and increased attention to international wheat crop weather issues. Slow-moving storm right now in the plains will arrive in the eastern Corn Belt by Friday. The new round of a wintry mix will keep Midwest soil saturated and increase the concerns of spring planting delays if it doesn't get drier. Soft-red winter wheat areas were colder the past five days, but not cold enough to be a concern. In the southern plains, a future active weather pattern will need to be watched. Currently, it does look less likely that a storm will be overly stressful for livestock and feedlots early on next week. Across northern and central Brazil, heavy rain continues to be forecast through the next week. The heavy rain will disrupt the soybean harvest 
which is already behind last year's harvest and also the average pace. Delays in soybean harvest in Brazil also will hinder the planting of the second crop corn. Ukraine and Russia temperatures are well above normal, which has melted the snow cover for winter grains. That's leading to wheat being a little more vulnerable to any cold that might move through. Australia's primary wheat areas expect little to no additional rain after a rain round of rain this past week. The Australian wheat production notably lower than a year ago due to historic drought. All right. Very good. Well, uh, you know, it's tough all over. I saw that uh, it got in, down into the 40s in Miami. Yes. They got frozen iguanas <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, they, they have a weather alert for falling iguanas because uh, <laughs> iguanas are cold-blooded and they probably will they'll warm up. They, they'll yeah. be fine, but you just have to watch for them if you're underneath the tree. <laughs> They actually, actually issued advisory for that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to wear hard hats when uh-huh. you go through Miami right now. Interesting. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather temp, krvn.com. All right. Thank you. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Turning manure nutrients into better crop yields while protecting the environment will be the focus of nine Nebraska Extension workshops being held across the state. Leslie Johnson, UNL Animal Manure Management Coordinator, says the workshops will provide land application certification or recertification. And so they are required by um, permitted livestock operations for those, those livestock operations that have a waste control facility, meaning a lagoon or a holding pond or a deep pit, anything that holds manure, those operations would need to have kind of some kind of land application training or manure training per Title 130 in the state regulations. The workshops are being held in the cooler months, as most farmers and ranchers will be available. We know that there's never a good time, but in theory, manure applications shouldn't be happening at this time of the year, and so they shouldn't be out applying in the fields. They should have some, quote, downtime, realizing that there's never really downtime when you have livestock. So we like to deal with them when it's, in theory, more convenient for the farmer. Johnson says the workshops help producers with the management of manure, such as choosing the right fields, impact on neighbors, and water quality. She says the EPA and Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy regulate the Clean Water Act. In the state of Nebraska, the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy is the one that will actually come out and check and make sure everything is going okay. And so the whole purpose of the Clean Water Act is to keep the water clean, meaning there's no contamination with manure. And so uh, we choose to apply manure to our field because we want to have those nutrients for the crops and to improve our field, but we need to do it in a way that we're not going to get that manure into the water either when it rains and it runs off or by leaching. Uh, We just want to make sure that it doesn't get there. Johnson says farmers looking for manure will most likely get cattle manure from feedlots as it is most prevalent in Nebraska. She explains more on the benefits for the soil. Beef manure is probably going to have a lot more organic matter in it, and so it would have more um, potential to, uh, less potential to run off than some of the other manures. And it also has a lot more soil quality benefits as far as adding organic matter to the soil. So holding that soil, helping hold that soil in place so it doesn't erode as much. 
The workshops are held inside, so weather will not be a big factor. But Johnson says it is a hands-on kind of workshop. We do try to bring as much uh, real-life scenarios into place. This year we're actually doing an activity where we look at an aerial map and then look at some of those fields in that aerial map and decide which of those fields is going to be the best one that we're going to actually apply on based on the soil test results, based on the manure tests that we have, where the neighbors are, what kind of things are going on as far as water quality. So we try to make it very hands-on, but in the classroom because it's cold and nobody wants to be out there. The workshops are sponsored by the Nebraska Extension Animal Manure Management Team, which is dedicated to helping livestock and crop producers better utilize manure resources for agronomic and environmental benefits. The trainings begin in Ainsworth on January 28th and run across the state until February 7th, when the last one will be held in McCook. The initial trainings will be held in the morning, and the recertifications will be in the afternoon. For more information on the cost, dates, time, and to pre-register, visit manure.unl.edu. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. It is time for us to check in on the wide, wide world of sports. And that brings in... Uh, I, I could go further i could take that further i'm just gonna say hi brandon from the was it the joy of victory to the, the agony, agony of, of defeat, defeat. Bum, yeah. bum, bum, bum. and the guy falling down the, those were the days mm-hmm. the, the condi- oh, I, I, saturday afternoon oh yeah great because and you had to i was talking to my wife about that and she said oh yeah i remember that I said, what, what are you watching sports for so what else was on that was what you had to do back when you had three channels if you were lucky right and and if the planets weren't aligned mm-hmm. correctly you're down to one all right been so, there before. Right. Wisconsin men's basketball team used a record-breaking performance from beyond the three-point line to pull away from an 84-am, 82-68 win over the visiting Nebraska men's basketball team Tuesday night at the Kohl Center in Madison. The Badgers, get this, were 18 of 34 from the three-point line, shooting 53% beyond the arc for the non-math majors. The 18 three-pointers were a Wisconsin record, so always good of the Nebraska folks to represent us well and allow another team to set a record. So kind. They're also the most three-pointers Nebraska's ever allowed, so that's not the kind of record you want to set. Nebraska's continue, Nebraska continues its stretch run of four road contests in five games on Saturday when the Huskers travel to New Jersey to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights for the second time this season. Saturday's tip-off is set for 1 p.m. As we previewed about an hour ago, Kansas City Royals announced earlier this morning they've signed outfielder Alex Gordon, of course Nebraska native, to a $4 million contract for next year, giving the rebuilding club a veteran presence in what is expected to be a pretty young lineup along with the new manager, Mike Matheny. The 35-year-old Gordon is a three-time All-Star. He's won seven gold gloves, and the last one coming last season, to move within one of the great Frank White's all-time record in franchise history. Get this, he committed just one error in 146 games played. I was thinking about this earlier, Scott Foster. Could you go 146 broadcasts and commit just one error? I'd in like to go 146 seconds in a broadcast and not commit an error. That's that's amazing. And remember, he came up as a third baseman. Absolutely. And then has been moved around a little bit and now, of course, is in the outfield. Had a mm-hmm. former pastor of mine years ago who moonlighted as a basketball official and would always say that if he ever officiated the game perfectly, he would retire on the spot. 
Yeah. I have that exact same philosophy here <laughs> in radio broadcast, which means I'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. That's right. He has also hit two sixty six batting average last year. That was his best since 2015. He was even called upon to pitch twice in games that were out of hand. He's most one of the most popular players in Kansas City. Already ranks in the top ten in federal in several franchise lists, including fourth in homers with 186 and sixth with hits in over 1,600 hits in his 13 seasons. Also previewed this earlier, Derek Jeter, the captain, and Larry Walker will be giving speeches in Cooperstown, New York, this summer. Jeter was a near unanimous selection. Again, as we mentioned, only one person for whatever reason didn't invo- didn't vote for him in his induction to the Hall of Fame. The former Yankee shortstop, who, by the way, never played an inning at any other defensive position, so that's that's pretty amazing. And longtime team captain appeared on all but one with the 397 ballots cast by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Ex-teammate Mariano Rivera is the Hall's only unanimous first ballot selection. Walker, on the other hand, of course, a longtime Colorado Rocky, will join Jeter on the induction stage after being elected in his 10th and final year of eligibility. Walker was named on just barely 75% of the ballots, 76.57, so he could have used that vote from Jeter. Milwaukee Brewers have a new home ballpark, or at least with a home ballpark with a new name, after a 20-year deal with Miller comes to an end. Talk about tradition ending in Milwaukee. American Family Insurance says that Miller Park will become now American Family Field beginning next January 1. A new logo and other branding elements will be revealed later this year. Now, the new logo gets me because the Milwaukee Brewers have one of the most iconic. It's the M and the B that flows so well that looks like a baseball glove. Right. They're going to have a new logo, no word on if that's the new logo they're going to have or if the logo just pertains to the stadium. The deal with Miller is worth $40 million. Wow. That's a little bit of change. That's a chunk of change. We could invest that. I think we could. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Nebraska Public Power District will start upgrading electric meters Monday at homes and businesses in a dozen western Nebraska cities and towns. NPPD crews will first replace meters in Brandon, Madrid, and Elsie in Perkins County, Lisco, Oshkosh, and Llewellyn in Garden County, and Broadwater in Morrill County. Once work in those towns is done, the district's workers will move on to Big Springs in Duell County, Brule and Ogallala in Keith County, and Sutherland in Lincoln County. The work is free to customers who will receive a phone call from NPPD before their new meter is installed. According to District Spokesman Mark Becker, he warned against scammers who recently have been calling Nebraska Public Power District customers, posing as district employees, and demanding payment for the meters. The meter replacements are part of a three-year project. Nebraska's Chief Justice says the state's courts are expanding their public services to protect abused children, keep former prisoners from reoffending, and help some counties save money. The Nebraska Supreme Court Chief Justice outlined the accomplishments of the state's judicial branch in his annual State of the Judiciary Address to lawmakers. The courts are working to reunite more foster children with parents, help offenders with drug and alcohol addictions, and save money by having clerks serve both district and county courts. The Furness County Sheriff's Office and Beaver City Fire and Rescue have scaled back large-scale search efforts for Larry Hardenbrook. Sheriff Doug Brown gives an update. We have suspended all of the large group searches, large area searches. Um, at this point, we do have small teams of two to three people that are going to continue to check outlying buildings within miles of Beaver City. Our efforts are to eventually be able to say that we have checked all of those barns 
bins, hay piles, anything else of that nature where somebody could have hid themselves. Hardenbrook of Beaver City was last seen at 9.45 p.m. January 14th. He left on foot with no coat, according to an endangered missing advisory issued last week by the Nebraska State Patrol. More than 1,300 man-hours were contributed to the search by Furnace County law enforcement, fire departments, and EMS crews from Cambridge, Arapahoe, Holbrook, Wilsonville, Oxford, Edison, Beaver City, and Red Willow Western. Hardenbrook is 78 years old, about 6 foot 1 and 190 pounds, with white hair and blue eyes. He was last seen wearing a dark-colored sweater, jeans, and brown dress shoes. He wears a bracelet with his name on it. Ground search teams covered more than 500 miles on foot in extreme weather conditions. Volunteer-mounted horse patrols searched remote areas and river bottoms. Anyone with information about the case should contact the Furnace County Sheriff at 308-268-2245. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Learning more about rural broadband and its connectivity. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Last week we saw the USDA make announcements about states getting more money to expand their rural broadband. I talked with Undersecretary Greg Ibaugh. He works with the marketing and regulatory programs at the USDA. Yes, this has been a priority at USDA to figure out uh, since I showed up in or, uh, you know, got to the job in uh, uh, October of 2017. We've been talking about how can we get uh, broadband access into rural America? And, you know, as director of agriculture and as a farmer in Nebraska, I realize, you know, how thin that connection and how poor that connectivity can be um, in, in, in our state and across our state, and it's the same way across rural America. Tell me a little bit about what the ReConnect pilot program is all about. So the ReConnect pilot programs, uh, this money is out of phase one of that program, and uh, they are going to make investments in, uh, with partners across America. And uh, here, this one will affect, uh, uh, what, 490 rural households, 24 farms, and eight businesses uh, in this partnership in Madison, Wayne, and Pierce counties. And so this uh, will bring uh, uh, high-speed broadband internet uh, wire right to these homes and businesses it'll be interesting to see after everything is done and and they're up and running the reaction they get from one day when they had maybe no internet at all to having high speed like this yeah this is going to make an incredible difference in how they access the internet and for anybody uh, those businesses and farms that need to move data back and forth Uh, They're going to see a big difference. And even for households that are trying to uh, connect and do business online or shop online, they're going to see a a huge difference as well. And I think it goes beyond that. It goes to the business as well. Uh, And you look at the one that's based in Blair, Nebraska, that's going to be putting all this in with the Eastern Nebraska Telephone Company, a great opportunity for them to have some, some strong work to take place. 
Yeah, that's right. It's going to expand their ability to offer services. And while they're doing this, this is jobs in those communities to uh, 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 implement the grant that USDA has given. So $600 million was, was put out by the USDA for this. Nebraska gets $5.7 million of that. Do we see more opportunities for rural broadband and the ReConnect program to happen in Nebraska? Well, I hope so. And so what is key here is, uh, and there's another round of funding that's uh, available to be applied for right now at USDA. Uh, there's world development offices across the state. And then the state office uh, that's uh, headquartered in Lincoln are all resources uh, for people that are interested in their communities, businesses that have an opportunity to provide these kind of services or expand the services they provide to see how they might qualify and whether or not they qualify to be a partner with USDA. Our, uh, uh, our, our infrastructure uh, definitely needs the support, and I hope that more companies can offer more services to more Nebraska families. So curiosity, how were portions of Madison, Wayne, and Pierce counties selected for this first round? It was uh, the fact that the Eastern Nebraska Telephone Company uh, applied for a grant from uh, USDA Rural Development, and the company will use some matching funds uh, uh, as well to, uh, that they put up and uh, they met the criteria and uh, this is just a, a great initiative on their part to be a leader in Nebraska and hopefully uh, uh, we see this happening all across the United States and hopefully Nebraska can have more announcements over the rest of the year. You bet because as we well know that bringing that high-speed internet to rural areas brings those families back as well. Yeah, That's correct and it uh, uh, helps with some of the quality of life expectations that we all are having now uh you know if we even if you stay in a hotel in a in an urban area you get used to a very fast internet and you come home and you wonder wow why is my <laughs> i won't mind going faster than this and switching gears just a little bit the undersecretary talked about what usmca in the phase one trade deal mean to the folks in his department under USDA. Well, first of all, we're very excited to have uh, a phase one with China as well as the USMCA uh, ratification in the Senate. Uh, you know, we seem to be having some, a lot of great things happening all together uh, together here in trade with China. Uh, there are some specific agreements that need to be finalized in order for the uh, in, the agreement to be implemented. Those comments with Undersecretary Greg Ibaugh. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Time for us to check in with our business report here on KRVN for this Wednesday afternoon. Quick look at the stock markets overseas. The Nikkei recovered a little bit. That's at 166 in Japan. The Hong Seng in, in uh, Hong Kong was uh, up 300, almost 400 points. So huge difference, almost a 1,200-point difference from the last two days. The London FTSE was down 38, and the German DAX index was down 40. 
Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 75. The NASDAQ is up 48. And the Standard & Poor up 9. The 10-year yield still down about a tenth of a percentage point. Bob Rogan with more. Well, stock indexes are a little bit higher in trading on Wall Street as health authorities around the world take steps to monitor and contain a deadly virus. Financial markets slid yesterday over fears that the outbreak in China would spread. Tech stocks led the gains at the open. Many of the companies in the sector are reliant on China for sales and could suffer if its economy slumps. France's finance minister says his country will delay its digital tax and the U.S. will hold off on retaliatory sanctions. Bruno Le Maire said in Davos, Switzerland, that he and U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin will talk about setting up a global framework on how to tax online business. Le Maire says that France will delay collection of the digital tax until December and the U.S. won't impose retaliatory tariffs. The U.S. had threatened to put tariffs on French wine, cheese, and other products. And uh, so that would not go over well since that's about what some people live on. U.S. home sales climbed 3.6% in December, but a record low inventory of houses on the market has caused prices to surge. The National Association of Realtors says sales of existing homes rose last month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 5.54 million. And also, we want to mention Nebraska's leading economic indicator rose during December, according to the most recent report from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. So that's what's going on. All right. Thank you, Bob. Since 1888, the Wilson Ranch has been raising cattle, but it took Jacqueline Wilson, who came back to the ranch after graduating from the University of Nebraska, to push the ranch into the future. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Wilson was nominated for our Women in Ag series by Terry Anderson, who says Wilson has raised the level of beef production with her work in genetics and her company, Flying Diamond Genetics. Wilson says after joining her dad Blaine and Uncle Brian in the family business, she began to look towards her future. Started to look at other options so that way, you know, when that succession did happen, um, I was going to be able to, to handle everything okay. And so that's when I started Flying Diamond Genetics. And the idea came about in 2011. And I guess we started our, or the business was up and running by 2013 was our first year's calf crop. And it kind of has taken off since then. Um, I had the opportunity to lease another another operation, purchase more cows. And along with that, I still am here full-time at our home operation. We've gone through succession this last year between the, between the third and fourth generation. And so now I partner with my dad. Wilson says the love of technology drew her into genetics and the opportunity she's had to travel and see cattle operations on six different continents where technology sometimes rivaled the U.S. We think the U.S. is so ahead of technology, but after seeing it on a worldwide level, there, there is a couple areas that we could really improve on, and that's something that has always garnered my attention. And so the, the genetic part of it really let me utilize that, that love for technology. Um, we've got a couple great partnerships that we've done this last year with a genomics company and also with a EID repo company. So what it's allowing us to do is it's allowing us to tag our animals and um, we'll have technology tells us whether those animals are cycling or not just via our smartphones. And so, so being able to utilize that is, is probably what intrigues me the most and then also being able to just kind of better our operation based off of based off maybe of not by a look of an animal, but what's underneath the skin. 
Wilson has accomplished more than most in her years in business. She says part of the reason is to learn and educate not just the cattle industry but the consumer. You know, can help get that story out of what we do on a day-to-day basis and share it with others because, as you can tell, it's becoming more and more of a consumer. Um, driven world out there and and in our case most of the consumers live in urban areas and so tr- by by becoming involved and kind of sharing our my story and the experiences that I've had within the industry and you know and what goes on here on a day-to-day basis um, not only can we make those consumers better aware but we can also kind of tell others within our own industry how to share their stories and so it's become a real passion of mine um Women in agriculture is also important to Wilson. She says women should never feel they can't break into the business. Sometimes females don't realize the opportunities that there are out there to get involved in the industry. And and all it takes is a phone call or an email to somebody that's involved and said, hey, can I intern for you or can I shadow you or can I even come out to your operation for a day? Um, That's how my business partner got involved. She she emailed me out of the blue. We had a mutual friend and, and... she contacted me one day and said, hey, I'm really interested in the genetics part. You know, do, I, do you mind if I come out and watch you put in embryos? And then that ended up to helping during calving season, and now she's my full-fledged business partner. And so you've got to take advantage of those opportunities as they arise. And, and I think that if you just put the time and energy and commitment and the work ethic into it, um, it's definitely going to be successful, and you're going to have a long future in agriculture. Along with Flying Diamond Genetics, Wilson is also known throughout Nebraska and the Midwest from her producer reports in Midwest Producer to her weekly column in Midwest Messenger and several agricultural publications. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Playpen on the Rural Radio Network. John Payton with Daniel Zang Marketing Unavailable Day. Let's take a look here at our grain closeouts and settlements. We are mixed here on the corn with some light buying on the March and May contracts. We're unchanged in July and in red on the rest. Still holding the $4 mark, though, on that December new crop. And then for the March contract, falling just below the $391 mark for the high that was set in earlier to $388 and three quarters. For the soybean trade, $913 seems to be a level to hold in the March contract. November new crops settling at $950 and a quarter. Just a penny off of its low. Over in the wheat market, though, after we saw the bullish momentum that these have had, Chicago wheat ends three and three quarters lower across all contracts. March and May holding the 577 quarter. Their highs just an eight to a dime away from the $6 handle. And the Kansas City wheat trade down seven and a half on mo- the majority of the contracts. The July new crop falling to 507 while the high was 518. So still putting in some decent highs, but we'll have to be keeping it close on these lows before they break out to that bottom side as well. Look around uh, much of the country today. Again, maybe some profit taking in there. There's some mixed uh, communication on where the current French uh, transportation strike stands that is causing and bottling up some of the movement of wheat around France in the uh, European milling wheat markets. So that potentially was helping see some moisture moving in across much of that as well. Going forward, though, traders also a little bit nervous to start building up a short position and markets like the soybeans on the verge that China could come in and start making these cargo buys quickly, although that has yet to come to fruition. So how long will those traders hold off before they start building those report those short positions? back into the market once again in the soybeans as well for the corn market trading in a fairly narrow trading range while March did have a nickel uh 
range overall on the day. We look at other contracts that had much wider ranges on that as well. Corn trying to figure out where these feed grains are going to go. Of course, with uh, pressure in the wheat markets, that always puts a little bit more pressure back on corn. And the outside trade currency is a close one to watch. U.S. dollar index trying to move up higher once again. So some mixed commentary coming out on a possible death cross for the U.S. dollar index. That's when its 50-day moving average drops below its 200-day moving average, possibly putting some more downward pressure on it. Of course, when the U.S. dollar goes down, typically that's seen as positive boost for the grains as it makes them more attractive in the global marketplace. In comparison to other currencies, the euro was slightly lower along with the yen today. Precious metals trying to make a little bit of a move up higher as copper prices hit multi-month lows yesterday. That still put pressure on gold and silver once again today. Over in the energy sector, though, crude oil has been one of the biggest drops today. Goldman Sachs wanting to put SARS, the uh, the coronavirus, is partially to blame for that. Others saying it's the International in- uh, Energy Agency looking at a million-day barrel surplus starting to build into that. But again, grains at the end of the day were lower for the soybeans mix for corn, lower for the wheat markets. That'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to krvn.com and click on the podcast. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.